morning. Uh, so if you don't mind, you can go ahead and take your seats. I only got about 10 or 15 minutes. Um, and you know what? And I don't mind that because how many of you enjoyed the worship that you heard this morning? That, that's why we're all here anyway. Amen. It's to bring him glory this morning. Um, every Sunday, but especially this time of year as we celebrate the faithfulness of God in sending our Lord. I, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't say a few things. I, I have to shout out the North Shore Mustangs. Come on, let's give it up. For those of you who don't know, yesterday we won another 6A Division State Championship. And uh, I'm a former Mustang. How many Mustangs are in the house? And uh, we want to give a special shout out to Dr. Gene Moore, who's the superintendent. We celebrate uh, a lot of the uh, Mustang football players go to church here. Their parents and grandparents go to church here, and we celebrate with you. And uh, I would also be remiss without saying this, and I forgot to announce it in the first service, and they're going to kill me. But our college uh, and young adult ministry, uh, any college age, 20s, 30s, in, early 30s in the house, I just want to invite you tonight. We are having a Christmas party for the college and young adult ministry in the cafe at 6 p.m. You are invited. Amen? Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, would you just quickly turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 14. <clears throat> Due to the time, I had to literally cut my notes uh, about in half, but that's okay because what we came here to accomplish, uh, to do today, we've accomplished, and that's to worship our King. Amen. But I just, if I could this morning, I want to uh, talk about the Christmas story really quick with a thought that perhaps will make it come alive in a fresh way before we leave this place. So can you give me 15 minutes and we'll do this? Amen. We know that the story of Christmas is the story of the incarnation. It is beyond our ability to grasp, and really it's beyond our ability to communicate just how God loved us so much to send his son to become one of us in order to save us. C.S. Lewis, I believe he had it right. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said. Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. You see, in the incarnation, Mary's God became Mary's baby, but never ceased to be Mary's God. And it's, 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 it's one of the great, amazing mysteries, but realities of the story of Christmas. And I want to turn your, your attention to this. Um, John chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, and the word became flesh. Someone say flesh. And he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. I just have to say this really quickly. I have even heard atheists and different philosophers from different persuasions say this. They say, we have to admit something about Christianity. Christianity is unique. Because in every other philosophical system, you have to do something to attain something. Does that make sense? You have to do something in order to achieve. And other faiths and other religions, you've got to pray. You've got to do incantations. You've, you've, you've got to do all kind of stuff. You've got to go through all kind of processes before you can reach God. Or what some people might call nirvana or whatever their terms they use. You have to jump through all kind of hoops and wheels. Christianity is the only faith where our God... God came and found us. Come on, can we give God some glory for that? There is no other people group 
in the world that can make that claim other than us that our God did not wait. As a matter of fact, we could not make our way back to him. He had to come and seek us out. That's why Jesus said, I've come to seek and save that which was And this all begins with the incarnation because unless he comes, there is no Calvary. There is no resurrection unless Jesus first comes. And I don't know about you, and I I just got to say this. This week, if I could encourage you anything, it's just to to sit alone with him and think about the fact that he came. You know, this week in my worship time, I, I began to thank the Lord and I say, Lord, thank you that you came. You stepped out of a, a situation that was not only a little better, but was so much better. You stepped out of the courts of heaven off a throne and you came and you put on flesh. So that as Hebrew says, we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Did you catch that? He's been touched. Listen to this with the feelings. There's no human emotion that is foreign to him. Because he has become one of us in order to redeem us. And in the incarnation story, when Jesus is born that day in Bethlehem, I want to draw your attention. Let's, let's go to Luke chapter 2 verse 8. And I got to do this quickly. It says this. That <clears throat> now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, someone say the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. Pay attention to this. He says, this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which were told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it marveled at, at, at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. Someone say amen. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Very quickly. I'm going to show you a picture in just a moment. But in 2016, I had, the, I had, I had an invitation to go to Israel. And it, it was one of those two good to be true moments. I get a phone call one day and they say, Andrew, would you, would you like to go to Israel for free? And I was like, there's a catch, right? Is, some of y'all will catch what I'm about to say. Do I have to go visit like a timeshare or like, is, is there something like, <laughs> sorry. They said, no, we want to take young Christian pastors to, to, to develop a passion for the land and, and meet with some of the leaders. I said, absolutely. And so I remember being there in Bethlehem, which is on the Palestinian side of the wall. And I remember being there and just looking at Bethlehem. It's not an impressive place by any means. It's, 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 it's really not that impressive. And I remember just 
being struck, but there, it's so crazy that when you're in Bethlehem, it's so unimpressing, but yet you have this overwhelming feeling of how much actual royalty came from this place. It's unbelievable. And, and I remember uh, they took us to the shepherd's caves and, and, and we began to talk about the story of Christmas. And I remember ask, beginning to ask that question then, why Bethlehem? And so we know what the prophets said. The prophets prophesied. They said the Messiah has to come out of Bethlehem. But why Bethlehem? I, I want to propose to you this morning in the few moments that we have, Bethlehem has a history of God providing solutions here. If you'll remember when Ruth lost her husband, it it was when she came to Bethlehem that she found who? Boaz. The Bible says that when Ruth actually set out to go to Bethlehem, the Bible says that she was hungry. And she comes to a place called Bethlehem. Guess what Bethlehem means? It means house of bread. So when, whenever Ruth comes to Bethlehem, not only does she find food, literally, she finds Boaz. Guess what Boaz does for Ruth? In the Hebrew culture, they had something called a family redeemer. So whenever a, 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 a widow loses her husband, another family member would marry her and they called it a family redeemer because he would rescue her from poverty and take care of her. So it was at Bethlehem that she came to the house of bread, not only to find food, but she found a, a husband who became her family redeemer. Does that sound like a gospel undertones to you? I got to keep going. It was in these same fields, right? It was in the same place that King David was born. Growing up, David shepherded in these fields. And when God needed a king, where did he go? He went to the fields. He went and found a young shepherd boy by the name of David, who was also from Bethlehem. Come on, somebody. When Israel needed a king and when Israel needed a giant slayer, God raised up a young boy who, by the way, people didn't think was that significant. He raised him up out of Bethlehem. And of course, we know that later Jesus himself, the king that ultimately Israel needed the most, would come from Bethlehem. Someone say amen. That's why Micah 5.2 says this. It says, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, he's speaking to Bethlehem, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old from, and from everlasting. Other translations say from the ancient of days. God handpicked Bethlehem. In generations past, and he had already begun to establish a storyline here, that it was in Bethlehem that God provides solutions. It's out of Bethlehem, this tiny, insignificant place that a lot of people overlook. It's out of this place that not only the, the king of old, the, the David, the greatest king Israel ever had, but the greatest king Israel would ever have in the future would also come from this place. Not only that, so I begin to, I begin to get the picture. Okay, I, I, I'm feeling the significance of Bethlehem. But God, why did you show up to the shepherds? Have you ever asked yourself that story? When, when, when the angels appear, they appear to the shepherds specifically. No one else gets on the inside of what's taking place. And so the angels appear to them in the shepherd's fields and they say, Listen, born to you this day in the city of David, in the town of Bethlehem. 
a savior. And I, I wonder why did God choose to appear to shepherds? You ever wondered that? And, and scholars have, have, have sought to present solutions or answers. They say this. Well, here's one reason. Shepherds were outcasts, right? Shepherds lived alone. They lived in the fields, right? They took care of the sheep. They slept with the sheep. How many know they smelt like sheep? They smelt like other things probably too. They smelt like all the things that come along with taking care of animals. Am I right? And so shepherds by nature were kind of like outcasts. They were kind of seen as like the dirty, kind of dingy, just you guys stay over there. Yeah, thank you very much. And so scholars have said, isn't it just like God that when he's going to make the most important announcement that he's ever made to man, who does he show up to? He doesn't show up to the rich and the powerful or the people of privilege or the people in the palace. He shows up to the outcast. He shows up to the people who live on the fringe of society. And, and to that, I say, amen, because that's the kind of God we serve. Don't you love that God is always championing the underdog? He, you know, whenever he's going to send Jesus, he doesn't send Jesus in the capital. He sends him to Bethlehem. And when he appears, when he wants to make an announcement, he doesn't appear to, to Herod. He doesn't appear to the religious rulers of the day. He doesn't appear to the Sanhedrin or the Pharisees. He appears to the shepherds. But here, here's what I also know. I thought, okay, I, I understand that. And that, I believe that's true. But also I begin to say, there's something more here. I got to dig. I also believe though, if you, if you pay attention to scripture, God seems to have a special place in his heart for shepherds. And I think it's, I think it's because shepherds naturally have a lot of the characteristics that God himself has. That's why whenever Jesus in his ministry will refer to himself as being Israel's shepherds. You remember the Bible says that he looked on the crowds with compassion. He says because they were like sheep without a shepherd. You see, because shepherds could not be selfish people. They had to, they, they looked after their flock night and day. Day and night, they lived with the sheep. They, 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 they spent their days and their mornings and their evenings with the sheep. They had to literally lay down their life for the sheep. So God seems to have a special likening to shepherds because they have shepherds' hearts. But I believe there's another reason, and, and this is where I'm going to end today, that I believe that God first appeared to the shepherds on that Christmas morning. It's that we are told that Jesus was born in a stable. Everyone say a stable. Now they're going to put up a picture. I got to do this very quickly. So we're in the fields of Bethlehem and all over Bethlehem, whether you're in the fields or actually in the city. Now, if some of you, if you ever get the chance, go to Bethlehem and I, 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 it's totally worth it. You've got to visit the church of the nativity. What's powerful, you will see one of these even at the Church of Nativity. This is called a grotto. Everybody say grotto. They don't use the term stable. They say grotto. And what these were, were they were little stone caves that were carved into the rock. Because in this region, both in the city and in the fields, it's full of rocks. And these, are, these were also called shepherd's caves. 
So the, so stable shepherd's cave, whatever you want to call it was all interchangeable. And, and, and they begin to describe to us, they say, listen, this is where the shepherds would sleep because you got to understand no one else. They couldn't sleep in normal circumstances because they had to stay with the sheep. So what they would do was at night, they would put the sheep in the stable, in these shepherd's caves. And what they would do was they would sleep at the door. Right. Because like a good shepherd, even while you're sleeping, you have to make sure your sheep don't get out. And so they're explaining this to us in our tour guide. He just so casually says, you do know that Jesus was born in one of these shepherd's caves, right? He says, what you, what, you, what you guys picture as a wooden stable actually looks more like a cave. And, and, and Bethlehem was notorious for shepherds shepherding, shepherding flocks because five miles away is Jerusalem. And guess what happens every year at Passover? They got to supply lambs from somewhere. And so it began to hit my heart. No wonder God, God, I'm telling you, God writes the best stories. We already know that. And I'm closing. But there's a reason why when Mary and Joseph get to the end, they say, we don't have any room for you. Of course they don't. You know why? Because God is painting a prophetic picture. Jesus could not be born in a palace. Jesus could not be born in the Holiday Inn Express. Jesus could not be born in the Weston or the Sheraton. Jesus had to be born where other sheep are born. Because what he's saying, even in his birth, is this is the place you would normally find lambs. And here is the lamb of God. In other words, this, even at his birth, it's already speaking of his destiny. So when he appears to the shepherds, he says, hey, guys, check this out. You guys have been looking over sheep for hundreds and thousands of years. This is a custom in Israel. And you know what? I'm paraphrasing here. You've looked after several of the lambs that have later been sacrificed in Jerusalem. I got some news for you today. This day, born in the city of David, there's another king that's coming out. And guess what? Hey, guess what, shepherds? He's not coming in the palace and he's not in the hotel. He says, he's in your context. He's, he's, he's in a place that you're familiar with. You'll find him in a feeding trough that we call a manger, where you feed your sheep your king is laying there right now and so when they imagine their excitement when they rush and they get and they see jesus lying in a manger they're seeing their familiar context of their whole life and they're seeing the king of glory in a feeding trough jesus had to be born there because this is where you find lambs and this is the lamb of god that was slain before the foundation of the earth. And I, I, I want to call our worship team. You know, what's so, you know what's so crazy about this? It's that they were excited. All they could do was celebrate. When the wise men came, they worshiped. When the shepherds came, the Bible says they went away celebrating. But if you could picture in your mind that Christmas morning when, when Jesus is laying in that stable, in that manger... The picture you're seeing. It's both beautiful because, listen, this is beautiful. This is amazing because God is faithful. He has come. But it's also heavy because you realize that Jesus could not even have a normal birth. Not just the the circumstances of his birth, but even his birth itself is prophesying that he's destined to die. 
that he's destined for sacrifice. And this, this week, I don't know about you, it makes my heart so tender. That's the kind of God we serve. From the day he was born, he was already being marked to go to the cross. Even his birth is saying, here's the Lamb of God. Right after Jesus is born, he has to run to Egypt to get away from Herod. All of Jesus' life, he had a target on his back. Our Lord could never have a normal existence because he was born to be given. He was born to be sacrificed. He was born to lay down his life. And it all begins on this Christmas morning. Could you stand with me to your feet? And that's what makes Christmas so amazing is that he didn't have to come. He chose to come. He chose. Would you just lift up your hands with me? The greatest gift that God ever gave was that Christmas morning when he sent his son, who he told in Matthew would save his people from their sins. And so this morning, I just want to If there's anyone in this building or anyone watching me, if you've never, ever received the Lord into your heart, or maybe you've you've felt like you've gone astray and you want to come back home, if that's you, whether you fit in one of those categories, just wave at me. Come on, just wave at me. Come on. I see your hands online. Someone is there to, you're going to pray with us, but someone is also there to minister to you online. Would you just repeat after me, and let's pray this together, Inspired Church. Dear Lord. We're thankful because you're faithful. God, you have loved me despite my sin. You sent your son to shed his blood for me. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin and I choose to follow you. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Come on, Inspire Church. Let's give them a wonderful hand clap. They're putting this on the screen behind me. If you prayed that prayer, want to pray that prayer, you want to schedule baptism or anything like that, they're putting that on. And last but not least, if you have not yet subscribed to our daily text messaging system, please do that. But one more time, would you lift your hands with me? Come on. I want to encourage you as you leave today. Here's my message to you. Here's your take. What did I want you to take away? Is this Christmas? Although the Christmas tree is at the center of our living rooms, may the Lamb of God be at the center of our hearts. You know what I'm, you know what I'm inviting you to do this week? I want all of us to behold the Lamb. Behold the King of glory. Behold God's faithfulness and behold God's, God's redemptive gift of Christ to us on Christmas morning. I pray that we not lose this week all the other wonderful things we do, but we would keep him at the center. God bless you, Inspire Church. I pray that you go out there, enjoy everything that we have. We'll see you on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. We love you so much.